big beat manifesto goes, big beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is outrageous. This is contagious. Listen, love, just a little tip, all right? You're on the edge now, and you need to pick the right way. Because one way's heaven, and the other... Well, probably best not to think about that right now, but it's fucking horrible, yeah? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 19, During. My name is Sean, and I'm taking it up. And my name's Laura, and I'm bringing it down. Hey, Laura, how are you doing this weekend? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. I've, uh, I know that you like to know, and because I'm English, I like to talk about the weather, and you like to know what the weather's like. I've got the heating on. That's how much it's changed since last week. So I'm sitting next to a radiator at the moment. My God, wasn't it? So last week it was hot, right? Yeah, it was really hot last weekend. And then we had hot, then rain, then hot again. And it was quite warm in the day today, but it is freezing now, so I've got the radiators on. Man, that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and my husband's come down with some sort of man flu, and I think it's probably because his body just can't cope with the temperature changing. I think he's probably just got a cold, but just like every other man, he's just treating it as like the worst thing yeah, ever. Yeah, he's, he's not coping well with it, I have to say. He's got two bits of tissue up his nose at the moment, <laughs> and he's sort of shivering under a duvet, saying that he's never felt so ill. Oh, poor Phil. Well, I hope you, <laughs> I hope you feel better, Phil. <laughs> How are you? What's been going on there? Uh, just more hurricane stuff. Just this is uh, I had like a sixty-hour work week or something like that, and um, that's crazy. Yeah, my job is offering us lots of money to work right now to work more hours than what we're supposed to. So, um, as much as I don't want to work all these extra hours, <laughs> it's it's hard to turn down like double time and time yeah, and a half. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Fun. <laughs> but Wednesday was well, was it Wednesday or Thursday that we had the exciting thing happen? I think that um, I think that was Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wednesday we had a writer. I guess I don't know. Probably not reporter is not the right word, but a, journalist. Yeah, journalist. Yeah, yeah. We had a journalist reach out to us on Twitter, and he just asked us about the Peep Show episode holiday, and I was really excited because like I feel like when you have a journalist reaching out to you, that's when you've, like, fucking made it in your chosen field. <laughs> the chosen field being peep show appreciation. Yeah. And uh, I, I messaged Laura ASAP. I was like, we have a podcast emergency. And then I thought, <laughs> then I thought, oh, maybe she thinks, like, something happened. And so then I was like, oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. Um, so we collaborated on some answers and then got back together with the journalist. And, yeah, on... Friday or Thursday, I guess it was Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. Yeah, Thursday they published an article with uh, yours truly's uh, being quoted a couple times about our thoughts on holiday. Yeah, that was great. It was, uh, it was, yeah, it was really exciting. Yeah, well, generated some traffic from that. You also generated some traffic on your own page with your fantastic review of how not to be a boy. Yes, as read by Robert Webb himself, um, I spent Tuesday and quite a bit of Tuesday night reading um, the memoir, How Not To Be A Boy, which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, um, by Robert Webb, which came out here on, on Tuesday. And um, it was astounding. It was one of the best things I've ever read. And um, I wrote a review of it and I tweeted um, Robert Webb saying how much I enjoyed it and he read my review. So that was very exciting. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. 
How many hits did mm. you say your blog got? Like 800 in that sort of evening compared to about eight usually. So that was great. <laughs> that's aw <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely can't wait to talk more about the book with you. Um, when I get it, we will talk about it. I promise. I really yeah, want to read this. I think once you've read it, I really think we should dedicate some time to discussing it because, like I say, it blew my socks off. And I read a lot of books and I'm not generally... I'm a harsh critic, generally. I'm not. It takes quite a bit for me to be really excited, uh, particularly about a memoir and autobiography. And this was just brilliant. So... Once you've read it, we'll definitely talk about it. Yeah, my wife has just been in love with all of the um, clips from that BBC interview he did. Yes, yeah. Um, I, they are uh, bits from the audiobook, I think, because I also I purchased the audio... Well, I've got an Audible subscription, so I used my credit this month on, on that, and I had the Kindle edition, and they kind of sync up. So I was listening to that at the same time, and um, the bits that were on, the, on Radio 4... That you're talking about i think are extracts from the audiobook so yeah yeah and i was really excited to find out that the bbc4 stuff that he did was not actually region block so i can actually watch it without having to install a dodgy region blocker on my computer <laughs> you know what i think that is when i thought about it because radio 4 is part of the world service which is obviously as the title suggests is accessible to everyone so probably if you were in the business of having like a long road radio in your your possession, you could listen to the World Service on that from where you are. And I think that Radio 4 being part of that means that it's not region blocked. Oh, that probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, are you, do you, have you ever watched uh, the Netflix series BoJack Horseman at all? No, I haven't. Um, Netflix recommended it for me this week, though. Well, season, uh, season four is getting ready to start on Friday, and um, I love that show. It's fantastic. It's a, basically, it's a cartoon about a actor played by Will Arnett, whose name is Bojack Horseman, and he's like a horse human. Right. <laughs> and uh, he was in a, a 90s sitcom called Horsing Around, where he was a single bachelor horse that was taking care of three humans. <laughs> And it was one of those, like, full house kind of shows where, you know, there would be a problem and then it'd be resolved in, like, 24 minutes and then everybody would hug at the end. And um, basically he kind of became famous from that. And then after the BoJack, uh, after Horse and Around was over, he never really kind of, like, did anything else. And it just kind of follows him post-career. And uh, it one of the things that I really like about it is it has a lot of really stupid animal puns in it. Right. <laughs> This all sounds a bit wacky, I have to say. I, I'm going to give it a go, but it does all sound a bit off the wall. So I, here's what I will tell you is the first four episodes of series, of season one are really not indicative of the show as a whole. Right. So you just kind of got to power through like the first four to six episodes and then you'll you'll get you'll get a good payoff. Trust me. Like, I really think this is a right up your alley. Oh, OK. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give it a go then. Yeah. Um, so here we, um, but we're going to get into what people actually really want to hear about, which is, um, series three, episode five, a peep show during, which aired nine December, 2005. Were you still in university when this aired or had your like winter vacation or whatever started at this point? Um, so I think probably we had broken up for Christmas, I, but I remember watching this in 
the house I house shared in, um, but potentially that was because I had a weekend job in a bookshop. So I used to stay past the end of term to, to work that job and then go home like at the beginning of the week. So I think we had broken up for Christmas, but I was still at, in the house with the rest of us that had jobs watching this. Yeah, I still had never heard a peep show at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I watched it in my grotty, damp house, uh, but remember this episode really well because it was a really good one. One of the things that really spoke to me in this episode, and um, we'll probably get into this in the closing a little bit more, is I was actually in a long-distance relationship at this point in time. Right. So all of Mark's, Mark and Sophie's like trials and tribulations of their long-distance relationship, that like that like really spoke to me in this episode. I guess I I was as well. I had a boyfriend back home who, but it was all a bit messy. But definitely, yeah, like the the um, the only seeing each other at weekends and stuff. Yeah, that was very true of my life at the time as well. Yeah. So this episode kicks off. We've got Jez eating in the kitchen. He's looking. He's watching this TV. What the fuck was this TV like? It's a foreign screen, and it's yeah. I think that's a like a. a actual portable tv like a handheld one um my sister had something very similar that had an aerial on it that was about 14 feet long and they were absolutely crap you couldn't you couldn't really see anything on them like you say the screen was so tiny yeah he was watching transformers and i was (laughs) i was uh, impressed at the picture quality of this yeah um yeah it was uh, again like you say you've said in your notes that now it would be an iphone and it would like Technology has just come on so much in that sort of 12, 13 years. You can't imagine now watching something on that. Yeah, he would. Yeah, you're, you're right. He'd be watching an iPhone with like a six inch display and it would be in HD and, you know, you could actually tell what was going on. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's rubbish. But yeah, it does look like something from the way back in the past. Yeah, I love Mark's like smart ass comment when he's like, "Oh, had a hard day of watching kids TV and eating kids cereal." <laughs> yeah, and he asks, uh, "What what should he be having? Gentleman's relish with olives? Are you familiar with gentleman's relish? Is that something they sell in Kansas?" Uh, I mean, we have regular relish. I don't know what gentleman's relish is. No, gentleman's relish is like a is an actual product. It's like you put it on toast. It, I think it's made out of anchovies. It's pretty vile, but um, Jesus. Yeah, it's a it's a real product. Jesus, that sounds disgusting. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's pretty nasty, and I say that as someone who quite likes anchovies, but it's yeah, it's not nice. Um, I like that's the thing he pulls out of his ass though. That he, should I be eating gentleman's relish with olives? Anchovies must be a British thing because my mom, who my mom and dad both lived in Britain for a couple of years, and they both love anchovies and i just whoa. yeah i really like anchovies my granddad thought they were like the spawn of satan if you'd had them in the house in the past week he'd know as soon as he walked in like he just thought they were <laughs> awful but i quite like them yeah they're quite nice yeah um uh jeremy just then tells mark you know crunchy nut cornflakes or frosties for wankers and <laughs> i'd forgotten that this was from this episode actually because it's such a sort of famous line that's bandied around particularly in the peep show world yeah yeah and i don't know i don't really know why because it's i mean it's just it's i don't know i mean i don't really think it's that funny of a quote it's just how uh how he pulls it out of his ass so quickly you know yeah um do you have do you have frosties and crunching up cornflakes over there yes <laughs> yeah there actually wasn't mr kellogg an american so 
that's yeah that's their american thing aren't they yeah yeah they're very american yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I like when Mark is just like, yeah, well, Frosties are just cornflakes for people who can't face reality. Uh, <laughs> it's so, I think maybe it's such a, a quote that's banded around so often because it completely sums up each of them and their relationships. Like, if they were, if they were serial, if you had to assign them a serial to fit their personality, if, then Jez would be Frosties and Mark would be crunching a cornflake. Yeah. Um, Mark kind of just sits down at the table and he just tells Jeremy that the long distance re relationship is not, you know, really going that well. And, um, Sophie does want to come down for the weekend, but there's just a thing. And Jez is just like, Oh, sounds important. <laughs> Doesn't this conversation come about because the post has come and Jez asks if anything has come from Sophie. I thought, Oh that was yeah. Strange yeah. Because yeah, that's, who yeah, writes that's to each point. other. Yeah. Even in 2005, Who's, who wrote to each other, like, that's not how Sophie's going to get in touch, is it? Yeah, I don't even think my, my girlfriend at the time and I had ever physically mailed each other a letter. Oh. No, definitely not. Uh, we had mobile phones. They were they were primitive, but we could still we could text each other. It's not like it's very unlikely that Sophie would have written him a letter or a postcard. I think it's just, it's clearly just a segue into what's come in the post. But yeah. uh, that did jar me thinking, like, uh, it's stupid. Um, so yeah, so then at this point, Jeremy suggests to Mark to just tell Sophie that he loves her. Mark kind of seems aghast at this idea, and he's like, oh, I can't do that. It's like firing first in a duel if you miss your fucked, <laughs> which just seems like such a British way to describe that. Yeah, that really made me really made me laugh because, A, like you say, that's a really sort of English way of, of coming up with that, uh, uh, how that feels, and also it completely, like, why is Mark only comfortable if everything's to do with war? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, he questions Jeremy about devaluing the word love if he does it on the first date, because Jeremy says that he will sometimes tell women he loves them on the first date just so he can get, you know, a hand up in that department and kind of take control. Um, Jeremy just kind of seems confused at why Mark even, like, is really concerned about this, and Jeremy just kind of shuffles through his post, and um, he's just going to ignore it, and Mark is like, oh, well, that letter's from... On Her Majesty's Secrets, or Jesus Christ, not James Bond, <laughs> On Her Majesty's Service. Yeah, um, and this made me laugh because I'm terrible for opening my post, like really bad, and my husband's always having a go at me about, did you not open that letter? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't open my post probably if I'm, I'm a bit of a jazz. Yeah, and then I'm just going to go ahead and uh, insert this scene here where Jeremy complains about what the contents of the letter are. Aren't you going to open your post? What? No, it's boring. You may have won this. You may owe us that. Who cares? Jeremy, that one's on Her Majesty's service, for God's sake. Oh, sure. It's on Her Majesty's service, delivered by the Royal Mail. Probably an invitation to one of Princess Anne's shepherd's pie and dogging parties. See? Now they want me to do jury service. Jury service? You've been called up for jury service? Can't believe they'd choose you. Must be some kind of mistake. Why shouldn't I do jury service? Well, because you critical faculty. I'm not being rude, but you'd be the first to admit that you're not a very logical thinker. No, I wouldn't. You still don't properly understand what happens in Ocean's Eleven, do you? It's a complicated film. It really isn't. Anyway, I'd probably find jury service pretty simple, because whoever it is, I'll just let them off. Jeremy, don't try and upset me. It's probably some young black kid who's been accused of stealing a bun, and I'm going to set him free. Don't you think you should wait till you hear the details? That's what they want you to do, hear the details and confuse you. I'm definitely going to acquit. 
<laughs> oh, that scene really cracks me up. It really just shows the how each character views jury service. Yeah, um, I don't actually. I know like two people that have done jury service. So this, um, I wonder who's doing Jer- Jer- Jeremy service. No, who's doing jury service? Um, it's clearly just those two people that I know and Jez. But it's not something that comes up very often. No, I've always wanted to be on a jury, uh, and I've never had the chance to do it. No, I always quite fancied it until my best friend did it, and she was sent to Snaresbrook, uh, uh, Cook County Court, which is near here. And she got the most boring sounding case and it went on for like a month and a half. And her workplace, like obviously they can't be cross with you because it's not your fault. But they were kind of getting to the point where they were a bit like, oh, how much longer is this going to go on for? And she was like, I have to drive further. It's really boring. And my work hate me. And I thought, yeah, that's probably the reality of jury service. Yeah, my friend Cassie, she just had to deal with jury service not too long ago. And it was kind of the same deal where it was... uh... You know, I don't even know what the case was about, but it was one of those cases that just kind of drug on forever. And she was just like, yeah. oh my God, this is the worst. Yeah. I um, I think teaching's probably, even teaching's better than jury service. So <laughs> I'm probably going to get called up now. Probably the next post that comes, I'll be called up for jury service. Yeah. Um, right after this, there's kind of a short deleted scene here. Both of us watched this deleted scene and I think both of us can kind of agree that there was a reason that this was deleted. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bring anything to the to the storyline, does it? It just kind of repeats what's already been said. Yeah. Yeah. It just Jeremy says that he's gonna find the kid not guilty and Mark is just, you know what if it's uh what if it's not a bum, what if it's a horrific murder and Jeremy's just like <laughs> I'm not going to send a man to the gallows on the strength of something he might have done, Mark. <laughs> I think that might be just a little unjust, don't you? And so I think that this oh sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I think this really does bring up a larger question about uh is jury service is is a jury of the general public actually the best way to, to deal with crime? Um because you're getting people like Jez on the on the uh jury. No one's got any chance, have they? Like even if only five percent of juries are Jez, that's a worry. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because that's actually been kind of a, a topic of conversation in America lately with um, you know, these police officers that like shoot people, but then they get off. And, you know, there's a lot of times where people are questioning, like, is the jury just a pro police jury, you know? So there's mm. kind of a lot of people talking about a very similar subject, which is, you know, is the jury system really the most efficient thing in the world? Like, yeah, like, I'm not sure what would be a more efficient system or I guess that, the thing with something like this is that you've got to have a system that's not necessarily going to be 100% effective all the time. But it did bring me up short to think, oh, my God, like, this is a comedy. But there probably are people like that on, sat on juries, and that is concerning. Yeah. there. I have heard people talk about just having, like, making every juror be an attorney so that you know, they have a understanding of the law. Yeah. But I don't even... Yeah, there's, that's... But I guess then you've got a kind of bias. There, there's bound to be, like, if you take a cross-section of attorneys and or solicitors, I think, as we call them here, um, you would have a situation where you'd find some kind of cultural bias that's not fair and is it, it's never going to be a perfect system. I'm just not sure what the answer is. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not really, you know, any sort of good answer. I feel like the jury system we have is is fantastic and 
you know, you're always going to get a person like Jeremy, but then we'll t- we'll talk about Twelve Angry Men a little bit later. Is that a is that a movie that's popular over in England, or is that a movie you've ever seen before? I'm not sure if it's popular here, but I know it really well because it was my granddad's very favorite film. So um, yeah, I'm very familiar with Twelve Angry Men. Okay, because that's one of my favorite movies too. I really enjoy it, but uh, I think that having people like Jeremy on a jury can be beneficial where everybody's just like straight to convict. Um, mm. My mom was on a jury, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. And it was a, is a DUI case. And apparently this guy had had like several DUIs before and he had always been tried in a, in a more blue collar area. Right. And since this guy was kind of blue collar and he was being tried in a blue collar area, he was not convicted like a couple times of DUIs. And unfortunately for his like third or fourth DUI, he was doing a little drink driving in a more white collar area. Right. So when they pulled the jury, the jury was much more white collar than what it had been in the past. And ultimately he ended up getting convicted, but there was a couple people on the jury who were like, okay, like let's not just, you know, jump to convict. Like let's take a look at the, the stuff here. And my mom was just like, Oh, like let's, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty obvious, but you know, it's always nice to have the skeptic there so that, you know, you, you're yeah, not convicting yeah. innocent people. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, oh my God, where do we leave off at? Okay, so <laughs> um, <laughs> next we're at JLB and Mark Johnson and Jeff are in a conference room and I love this little move that Johnson does where he just walks up to the table and he just puts his foot on the table and he just like leans forward on his knee. It is such a fucking like alpha power <laughs> position to strike, you know? Yeah, I had a physics teacher who used to do this at school and he thought he was like, the king of all men and it really made me laugh it reminded me of him i'm impressed with how flexible johnson is wearing trousers <laughs> that's true actually yeah they uh they're probably business trousers he's got on there yeah um johnson wants mark and jeff to be his enforcers in shaking up the office i thought mark and jeff were a weird combination for people to be his enforcers but whatever yeah um i enjoyed it when he said that they were he's teaching John his Skinner and Badil, the iron fist inside his velvet glove, spiky balls on the end of my stick. Did you, do you know who Skinner and Badil are? I had made a mental note to ask you to explain that reference because I have no idea who Skinner and Badil are. Yeah, they're not really, it doesn't really work in the in the list. I mean, that's that's the joke, clearly. But um, they're a comedy duo and they are most famous probably for being like heavily into football and they recorded a song for two songs for two world cups or world cup and a european championship and um they are definitely not hard cases so this was this was funny for that reason i think (laughs) um he also asks which of the two is bawling sophie which i thought was very like very crude straight to the point yeah (laughs) Yeah. very crude but very alpha way of asking that question yeah um and i enjoyed as well how jeff didn't even flinch at that like showing what an absolute arsehole jeff is oh. he just was like mark looked embarrassed but jeff was just like yeah it's him like <laughs> yeah it's him <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed that too he's like uh it's him and um johnson tells mark that um sophie's not getting along that well at at bristol and mark thinks this could be great news because that means that she'd be coming back to london I like how when he lists out her crimes, it's uh, coming in late, not coming in at all, and calling Colin Cooper a dickhead, 
which it was nice to see Jeff actually defend her and be like, well, Colin Cooper is indeed a dickhead. Yeah, I thought that was quite chivalrous for Jeff, actually, even though he was slagging off Colin Cooper in the in the meantime. Um, I thought, yeah, like you say, it was nice of Jeff to jump to Sophie's defense there. And I, I keep thinking back to that Neil Fitzmorris interview where he kind of talked about how Jeff got, you know, eventually more and more phased out. Phased out, yeah. And this series, I really have seen it because I was trying to think, as I wrote my notes, I said, it's nice to see Jeff. Is this our first Jeff of series three? And then I had to think and I was like, oh no, he was in, um, he's in shrooming in the, the board meeting. Um, but I can't really think of any other time he appears, let alone has any amount of lines. No, I mean, he's quite integral to the storyline in, in series one and two. And I agree with you, he's suddenly gone. And, and now that we know that that wasn't the actor's choice, I always assumed previously that that was Neil Fitzmaurice's choice to not be in it anymore. That's quite... I can see why you'd be annoyed to suddenly have gone from being, you know, not a main character, but certainly part of the main sort of storylines going on. And then suddenly you're in, like, probably two or three scenes in the whole series. Yeah. it It's really sad because doing this deep dive has given me a much deeper appreciation of Jeff. Mm. So I really enjoyed. Yeah, Jeff. I agree with you. He's um he's a, a very funny character. I mean, he's an absolute arsehole, but that's why he's funny. And uh, I think that he plays off so well against Mark. And you see that in this scene, they play off really nicely against each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like how Johnson basically just tells Mark that he wants Mark to have a word with Sophie and get her to clean up her act. Uh, Mark looks so like oh no are you serious like you really want me to do this and uh mark decides he's just gonna hit her with i love you and then before it gets too soppy hit her with the discipline disciplinary matter yeah i mean John we know johnson's a, a ball breaker but do you really think he would ask this of whoever was balling sophie i mean it, he, he obviously was prepared to ask it of jeff as well as of uh of of mark but you know, even for Johnson, this seems a bit a bit much. Yeah, I thought this was a I thought this was a bit much too. Although I I guess I could maybe kind of see him doing this. Um, I guess Johnson is a law unto himself, so maybe this is his management style. I couldn't see this happening in the real world at any point. No, but then I put this in my notes that much of this I now on a on a closer examination. I don't think would happen in the real world. So we'll just say, we'll just chalk this up to the Peep Show universe. Yeah, definitely. I think chalking this up to the Peep Show universe is a good good way to leave it because, yeah, I just couldn't see, I just couldn't see any boss asking a subordinate to, you know, like, hey, call your girlfriend, tell her she sucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was watching this, um, making my notes with my husband and we have worked together previously and worked together again now. And uh, and he laughed at this and said, yeah, make sure you mark your books. Otherwise, I'm going to have to hit you with the disciplinary matters. So that made me laugh. <laughs> Do any of the kids ever give you guys a hard time about being married? Are they like... Uh, no, not now we're married. When we worked together and we weren't married, we used to get a hard time about it. I think because it was more... It was less obvious because obviously we didn't have the same name and stuff. And we I'd worked there before he started. So it was clear that like a romance had developed. Whereas now well, we're just married and kids aren't really interested in that. It's just like, oh yeah, you've probably always been married, you pair of old fuckers. So <laughs> that's the... <laughs> it was more exciting when it was like a potentially salacious affair rather than just like, oh yeah, they've got two kids. Yeah. Um, 
we get a scene at the grocery store, and this is probably what, like, maybe a few days later. Yeah, yeah. So a, a bit later, Jeremy's done a couple of days at the trial. I think he's wearing a suit, which I always love when Jeremy wears a suit because even when he wears a suit, he he still looks like a disheveled shitbag. Yeah, he looks so scruffy in a suit. He looks like he should be the one in court, frankly. Yeah, um, Mark is Mark sees Jeremy. He's just like, oh my god, oh my god, tell me all about the case. And Jez is like. Oh, I've taken the high road and I've taken a solemn oath not to discuss the case. And I know you don't take that seriously, Mark, but I do. <laughs> yeah, until he's uh, bribed by Mark with the promise of a bucket of fried chicken for dinner from a property franchise outlet, not the one that gave you that fever. I wish we could find out more about this fever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, could chicken really give you a fever? I don't know, but it's oh, funny nevertheless. Yeah, it certainly could. Undercooked chicken is very very like that's true like salmonella will fuck you up but i guess it's the idea of him like just putting it like that rather than saying oh the one that gave you salmonella he says the one that gave you that fever just makes me laugh (laughs) yeah um jeremy then just quickly reveals that the case involves a woman who is accused of committing six counts of credit card fraud four in nescliffe two in cosford and mark is like credit card fraud that's amazing and (laughs) Jeremy just does not really have the same enthusiasm for the case. No, he said it sounds amazing for like the first three hours, but once you've been listening to it for several days, not so much. Yeah. Um, I like how Jeremy just just jumps straight to she's being guilty, or she's guilty because she looks shifty. And, you know, he's also on board to convict her mostly because she's white and also because she wouldn't look out of place with a can of strong lager and a cheap fag in her mouth. Yeah, she's basically, from what we can gather, she's a bit of a chav. It always throws me off to hear you guys say fag in relation to a cigarette. Oh, of course, yeah. Because I know that that's what it is, uh, but it just throws me off to hear somebody say that. Yeah, I suppose I can understand that if you've only ever known it in the context that you know it in, that that does sound very weird, whereas... Yeah, it's just it's just a very I mean it's a very southern piece of slang because northerners would say ciggy, uh, but yeah, that's I would always refer to a cigarette as a fag if I was amongst uh, if I wasn't talking in a in a like a proper way and and why would you be talking in a proper way about cigarettes really? But yeah, it's a very it's a very commonly used piece of slang here. It was it was funny. Um, maybe gosh, I don't even remember what year this was. It's probably probably two thousand six or so. I was going to visit a friend of mine in Ohio and my plane coming out of Denver got horribly delayed because there was like three feet of snow on the runway. Right. And they had, they ended up shutting the airport. Our plane was literally the last plane out of the airport, but we got super delayed coming out of Denver. And so I missed my connecting flight in Chicago. So I had to stay the night at Chicago and there was a British guy there that him and I ended up, kind of becoming like overnight buddies and right. we went and hung out at a bar and they're playing soccer on the tv and he was all excited and he was getting like fucking hammered drunk and watching football and <laughs> i was just like oh okay i don't know anything about this game and um uh, all of a sudden he just looks at me he's like you know hey hey you want to go smoke a fag and i'm like what what i i don't know what the like are you asking me if i want to kill a gay person like <laughs> What's going on here this doesn't make any sense to me and then i had to like oh yeah yeah the fags what they call cigarettes but yeah it really threw me off for about like like a minute or so and... 
it's very naive on his part to not know the no. alternative meaning of fag. Yeah. It's actually funny because he he apologized to me right after that. He's like, oh yeah, I mean cigarette. Yeah, you guys I guess you guys don't call them that here. That has a different that word has a different meaning here. Have you got a slang word for cigarette? Uh, I just call them smokes. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's that's very American. Yeah, in the cowboy film, they would say that. But yeah. yeah smoke or um i used to actually i actually used to be a smoker um but uh yeah smokes or squares because they come in a square package oh okay so you call I, them... I wonder why we call them fags actually that's an interesting point i do not know the answer to that well a fag is a stick so it makes sense uh, okay i think it's like a yeah bundle of course of... i guess because a bundle of sticks is a faggot like when they used to burn people at the stake so yeah you're yeah. right yeah yeah um so um and then another little tangent we've gone yeah, off on sorry yeah. sorry everyone <laughs> jesus i've probably said that word more times in the uh, last you know minute than i probably have in like the last <laughs> 10 years of my life holy shit um jeremy just says you know even if she's not guilty of this she's guilty of something where there's no smoke there's no smoke without fire and mark is just like no smoke without fire is this where a thousand years of the English judicial uh, judicial system have come down to? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a very good line. Yeah. And then uh, one little visual gag I love in the scene is Jeremy just puts these cookies in the cart. And as he's talking to Mark, and then Mark just reaches down and he puts the cookies back on the shelf and just nobody says anything. They just yeah, keep this talking. Is, uh... This is that reminded me of how me and my husband shop because I'm not allowed to <laughs> shop in. I think I've mentioned this before because I'm a very irresponsible shopper. But whenever I go shopping, he just takes stuff out of the trolley without even like it's just an unsaid thing. So I'm always trying to sneak stuff in the trolley, and he's always taking stuff out. So basically, my marriage is peep show. <laughs> <laughs> um, back at JLB, we have Mark, and Mark is excited to eat his soup. Soup is a little hug in a mug. Yeah, that was a, an advertising slogan over here. Did you did you have that over there, or did you just think it was a bit weird that he called it a hug in a mug? No, I thought he was just being funny. Oh no, that was an advertising slogan for copper soups. Oh okay, hug in a mug. I guess that makes sense. Hug in a mug. Yeah. He also says, "What is it? A uh, kiss in a tube? A wank in a packet? A wink in a packet? <laughs> yeah. Those are the things he now needs. Yeah, and he wants to talk to Sophie." But he really just kind of wants to play solitaire for three or four hours. And this is a great little Markism where he just, he has to do something and then he just tries to figure out something else to do. But then the thing he needs to do just kind of ends up getting shoved in his face. Yeah. It, um, it also reminded me of how much I loved playing solitaire. I'd forgotten what a great game solitaire was. Oh, fuck. It's so funny that you say that because I was thinking to myself as I was watching this scene, I was like, do I have solitaire on this computer? Because... <laughs> Really yeah, where can I play solitaire? solitaire? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, as you say, that as he's thinking about phoning Sophie and deciding he doesn't want to, she gives him a ring anyway, and she's on his phone. Yeah, I actually looked up the cell phone that Mark has because I'm always fascinated by this kind of stuff. Um, Mark's cell phone is a Nokia 6670, and I was reading about this phone, and they kept calling it a smartphone. I was like, no, they didn't have smartphones in 2005. Like, this is, this is bullshit. But it actually was a legitimate smartphone. It had Word, it had Excel, it had an operating system. It was way more than just your basic uh, phone. I believe because my manager, I worked at Domino's Pizza for a while, and my manager there had this phone. And if for some reason, the phone that like people rang to get the pizzas, you couldn't phone out on. So we used to have to use a mobile phone, and he 
his mobile, like he got reimbursed by the company or something. So we used to ring out on his mobile, which was one of these. And I believe that you could turn it on its side and it, you could like, when you were using Excel on the tiny screen and Word on the tiny screen, it would go into landscape. Like you say, it was, it was the king of phones in 2005. Yeah. I don't think I had a cell phone at this point yet, but if I did, I probably would have had this phone because that's just kind of how I roll. Did you really not have a mobile in 2005? Um, no, I guess I did. Uh, no, I, I take that back. I guess I did have a, a mobile phone in 2005, but it was a very, very basic. I actually found it the other day when um, I was going through some boxes of stuff. So my wife wanted me to get rid of a box. And I was like, well, I'm not just going to throw this box away without seeing what was in it. And I found my very first mobile phone. And I was like, oh, shit. I wonder if I could turn this thing on to see what pictures it has because it had a camera on it. Right, yeah. Uh, but I could not find the charger for it, and looking online for a charger was kind of a um, fool's errand. Right. Yeah, you must have had a mobile phone. I got my first mobile phone in 1999, so I don't believe you didn't have one in 2005. It was probably just shit. You know, Americans. I would have thought you would have had mobiles. Like, by 1998, 1999, everyone had mobiles, and I was 13 and had a mobile phone, so if I had one, everyone had one. No, I mean, a lot of people had them. They were, start, they were definitely starting to become more common. My big thing, though, was that I had a house phone that I used to connect to internet with, and so I just used my, my phone. Uh, right, okay. Plus, during this period of time, I was on AOL Instant Messenger all the time, so I would actually say that AOL Instant Messenger was probably my primary way of communication. Right, okay. I know for my long-distance girlfriend, I actually ended up buying a phone in probably 2005 I think it was um just so that because she would always get mad because she would always be the one that would call me right and I never and I never called her because I didn't want to pay for long distance so she finally just basically required me to get a cell phone right okay yeah that makes sense there you go I'm surprised by that yeah uh I mean it wasn't really until smartphones came out that I started really getting hooked on phones phones have just been such a massive way of life here like i say i got my first one when i was 13 and i'm now almost 32 so for getting on for 20 years like far more of my life than i've had a mobile phone than without one so it just seems i mean i sound like uh, the kids at school driving me mad with this sort of shit i mean they'll never know any different but (laughs) yeah it surprises me that uh, when i think about it i've had a mobile phone for such a long time now that i can't imagine life without one so yeah, it's weird. Um, I was never really, I never really even wanted a smartphone. And in, I think it was like 2010, God, I can't believe it was that long ago. Um, my wife pretty much was like, look, because I would always borrow her phone because she had an Android phone. And I'd always borrow her phone when we were like doing stuff and I play games on it and whatever. And she's like, you know, you're, you just need to get your own Android phone. And I got one, and I was like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever, and now I can't imagine yeah, that's my life the problem. without it. They get you, don't they? I was never fussed, and then I got an iPhone, and it was like, great. And now I'm ruined, and Apple have taken my soul, and I can never leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, so... Sophie tells Mark that she's going to be coming back for the night, and Mark is like, oh, you are where it's Thursday, right? And she's like, oh, I'm just going to pull a sickie on Friday, and Mark is like, oh my god, she's dangerously out of control. <laughs> yeah, this is dangerously out of control in Mark's world. 
Yeah, so he decides to make a nice dinner for her of chicken, wine, and Sarah Lee, and then he decides to get some chocolate-flavored condoms because they both might relax more if they regard his penis as a novelty toy. Yeah, this made me laugh a lot, and I wondered where he'd get those from because they, you know, flavored condoms are not the kind of thing you can really buy in a chemist. I imagine you'd have to go to some sort of machine in a pub, and that that made me laugh. It, I... (laughs) I've never used flavored condoms, but I just... I just can't imagine under like what context you'd be like, hey, what flavor of condom do you like? I did once have one, uh, not particularly for use, but just because I think like when you're a teenager and like getting them out of machines in pubs and it was a vanilla one. And I remember me and my friend opening it and it smelled so strongly of vanilla. Like it was <laughs> it was horrible. You could smell it from the next floor of the house. And I just cannot imagine how that would be sexy. Like it was it was vile and it was like. You know, that kind of artificial cloying vanilla smell. And yeah. it just, yeah, not sexy. <laughs> oh, God, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> so next we get to the coffee shop. And Jez is buying, I don't know, coffee in a croissant or something like that. I don't know. I didn't see what he was buying. Did you? No, I didn't. No, it's, I assumed it was lunchtime. I think I assumed it was a sandwich or something. But yeah, yeah he's buying his lunch or a snack or something. Yeah, um, and there's unfortunately only one seat available at this little cafe, and I have a theory, and I just want to uh, propose this theory to you, okay? Okay. Do you think Carla purposefully went to this cafe to bump into Jeremy? Maybe, you know, she does seem like she's a bit, I mean, obviously, to be like a credit card fraudster. You've got to be. You've got to have a certain level of cunning. She does seem like she's maybe a bit cunning, and as we have discussed before, Jesse's a bit stupid and probably obviously stupid. And he goes on to say in this scene that he like has been propping himself up in the corner. So maybe she targeted him because he looked, you know, easy prey. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy sits down in his seat and he sees the defendant of the case, Carla. Um, they have a very very funny little interaction. So I'm just gonna go ahead and play their little interaction here oh my god it's her the defendant do i know you god you're on the jury aren't you uh yeah yeah i am a bit sorry wow this is weird yup i probably shouldn't um... well i shouldn't probably to be honest it's nice to get away from the jury they're so boring all they want to talk about is the case yeah what they're saying about it then shit oh just uh we all think you're innocent really that's wicked. Just sugar the pill a bit. I know we probably shouldn't do this, but what's your name? Jeremy. Pleased to meet you. I'm Carla. Tell you what, though, I'll be glad when this is all over. Those wooden chairs are killing my back. Oh, God, tell me about it. That's why I sit in the corner, because you can sort of lean against the wall, and then if it gets a bit boring, you can, you know, it's just better. What about that judge, the way? Oh, God, yeah. He's so judgmental. I rule this, I rule that. Hey, that would be a good name for him. Judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what. I plead guilty to wanting a mochaccino. Objection. Overruled. This isn't wrong. <laughs> Just illegal. Like drink driving. Judgmental. That'd be a good name for a judge. <laughs> I love the way she says it in her accent as well. It's just something about the fact that she's so heavily Geordie makes it funnier. Where's her accent from? Uh, like Newcastle. So she mentions later on being in Sunderland, which is near Newcastle. But she's, I think the actress is actually a Geordie. She is from Newcastle. She's, I've never seen her in anything else other than 
she's in an episode of Men Behaving Badly where she plays a quite similar part of a, a Geordie girl who I think Tony might end up having sex with in Men Behaving Badly. I'm not sure. But yeah, she's from Newcastle. Yeah, I, I th- for some reason I always thought she was like Irish or Scottish or something like that. I guess like that accent like up there, like Liverpool and Newcastle, they're both... I think both accents have got their origins in Irish, so you're not completely mental for thinking that. Um, certainly, Liverpudlian accent is like basically comes from Irish and phlegm. They say it originated because so many Irish people came over and they all had chest, like tuberculosis and chest diseases from being on the boat for such a long time, and that's apparently how the accent uh, happened. So there's probably some truth in in the idea that it sounds a bit Irish. Okay. All right, so back in the jury room, we've got Jeremy, and this scene is exactly what I was talking about earlier, where everybody's, uh, they ask, you know, who thinks that Carla is guilty, and who thinks she's innocent, and everybody just raises their hand except for Jeremy. Yep, it is 12 Angry Men. Uh, it's <laughs> definitely a parody of this, I think, that even most people that knew, didn't know loads about the film, but knew a bit about it, would be able to see that. Yeah, I really love how this entire scene is just a parody of 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Um, and the foreman is Neil's dad from The Inbetweeners, uh, which he, he seems to pop up in everything, I have to say. And he's also, he was in um, Magicians, wasn't he? Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Uh, who? Uh, I'm... He was the stooge in Magicians. Yeah. Oh, that's where I recognized him from. Yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at his face and I was like, man, this guy looks really familiar. But then... I didn't want to take time to IMDb him because I figured he was just a schlub, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. He was, he was the stooge. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, while they're in the jury room, while they're in the jury room, I like how right before they take the vote, Jeremy gets a test text from Carla. Who's like, Hey, you want to go get a drink later? And so he really has a lot of incentive to vote not guilty at this point so that he can go out with Carla later that night. He's such a fucking idiot, though. Like, I've written this in my notes of, of, like, even with the most patchy knowledge of the law, of you must know that this is against the law. Yeah, I agree with you. Even with the most basic knowledge of the law, you'd have to at least, like, think she's somewhat guilty, just based yeah, off the evidence. Yeah, exactly. And, and be a little bit worried about the text in her. Like, that would <laughs> surely be a bit of a worry. I don't know. Maybe just is that much of an idiot. I'll have to ask my sister about this, but I would be actually surprised if you could have a cell phone in the jury room. That's true, actually. Although maybe it was different in 2005. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. Yeah, because I know that cell phones are probably a pretty big no-no in the courtroom, but I guess I don't yeah, really know about I the jury Yeah, I bet they room. are. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that Jeremy also gives this nod to 12 Angry Men. He's like, oh, this is just like 12 Angry Men, except I'm horny, which is much nicer. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the tw- 11 Angry Men and one horny man. Nice. Yeah, that's not a good combination of men. No, not at all. Um, we next go to Apollo House, where Mark is really, really excited for Sophie to come over, and they're going to eat, laugh, and make out that Colin Cooper is a dickhead when actually he's doing bloody good work with a really difficult team. <laughs> yeah, that is so Mark. He's such a work weasel. Oh, I know. And it's funny that everybody else seems to think Colin Cooper is a dickhead except for Mark. 
yeah, maybe that tells you that everyone's saying Mark's also a dickhead. <laughs> it's just like when they say, when, when everybody in the room says you're an asshole, you're probably an asshole. Exactly. Uh, that's actually in uh, how to be how not to be a boy. Um, Robert Webb's memoir that I read this week. He says that there's a, a joke amongst actors that if after you've been working there for a week on a job and you can't work out who the cunt is, it's probably you. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty much exactly that yeah there's a poker analogy where it, it says if you can't determine who's the shittiest player at the table it's probably you yeah 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 um mark walks into the living room and jeremy's laughing because he's just got a text from carla that just said did the judge wig out and for some reason wig and out are in capital letters so i couldn't really figure out if they were making like a joke about like a wig that the judge wore, I don't know. Okay, yeah, so wig out is like slang for no, no. go crazy. No, no, I, I know what that I know what that means. I, I know Oh, okay. But it was just weird that she had it capitalized. Oh, uh, maybe she was just emphasizing a quite shit joke. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um uh, Mark asked Jez what's so funny and Jeremy's just like, Nothing, nothing, don't worry about it. And all of a sudden Mark gets like very serious and he's like, Oh, is it about the case? And Jeremy's like <laughs> Yeah, I guess it is a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, he's even at this point, Jess is sort of laughing, and you feel like he's not—he's not really taking his contempt of court seriously, is he? No, Mark's like, "Oh my god, did the uncle show up? Did they find that missing security tape from Ryman's?" And Jess is like, "Uh, I don't think she's." I don't think she did it. And Mark's like, what? But you were ready to convict. She was shifty. And Jeremy's just like, well, but you know, now that we've gotten to know each other a bit, I, I don't think she did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then that's when Mark is scandalized by this and says that it's, he says he can't believe that he is uh, doing this. It's, you know, illegal. And um, he says that, you know, you couldn't basically you couldn't give her a fair trial if you're sleeping with her yeah and uh jeremy's just like oh what so jeremy can't be trusted to judge the woman he's sleeping with but tony blair can yeah i'm not sure i think uh, i can't remember any instance of which um tony blair needed to judge his wife although she was his wife was embroiled in a few scandals like she was a lawyer and there were a few dodgy things that came out about her but they weren't really really dodgy i think he's just picking not quite picking a name out of the air but this doesn't relate to any particular thing that happened and then uh yeah so then mark is like yeah jeremy but that's contempt of court and jeremy of course being the musician i you know he answers to a higher law the law of it feels good just do it <laughs> yeah and uh, and mark says oh what's that uh also what do we call that colonel gaddafi's law and uh, he says that uh, Jeremy then says it's the magician's law, and I think that Colonel Gaddafi could not lay down a base hook mark. That should be obvious, even to you. Robert Webb, so fucking funny in the scene. Just like yeah, he's yeah, he's really over the top, and he's like feigned anger is hilarious. Yeah, I really I really enjoy it, and he just like storms out, and then just kind of slams his door, and um, as soon as he does that, the doorbell ring, and Mark just kind of forgets about everything because. We've got Sophie, the Sophmeister, the Sophistry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he opens the door and there is a man standing with Sophie. All right. So off the top of your head. Well, okay. Yeah. I'll ask this question. Off the top of your head. 
How many scenes is Dom Sophie's gay friend in after this? Uh, one more. He is not in any other scenes after this. Oh, is he not? Is he not in the club with them? Nope. He like literally. Oh. He like literally disappears when they go out. Well, that's weird. Uh, he yeah, that's really odd actually. He, how strange. Yeah, I knew he didn't speak anymore, but I hadn't noticed that he wasn't in the scene. Nope. He I I went back and watched all the group scenes just to see if I saw him. Not anywhere in there. That's weird. He must have one of those faces that blends in. You just don't notice when they're no, there or not there. He's literally not there. No, no, I'm sure you're right, but the fact that I didn't notice kind of tells you that oh, yeah. he's clearly forgettable. He was in EastEnders, actually, but I it, it took me a few, a couple of minutes of the scene to be like, where do I know that guy from? There is a, a guy in the door with Sophie, and uh, his name is Dom, and Sophie is really excited to see Mark, and she introduces Dom to Mark, and Mark is just like, oh, great, a guy, they're probably going to make me film them having sex with my camera phone, <laughs> which I thought was a very yeah. quaint way to describe a, a phone yeah that was anachronistic wasn't it um and then his before he can continue with this train of thought dom's phone rings and mark realized that he's gay yeah and he's all excited he's like oh he's gay he's gay i have a gaydar <laughs> yeah and um and this and then sophie comes in and mark doesn't know whether he should shut the door or not no, he he thinks it might be aggressive if Dom is planning on coming in the house, but he apparently yeah. does shut the door anyways. Yeah, or he, maybe he, just like leaves it cracked or something. Maybe that's why Dom isn't in any other scenes because Mark just shut the door on him. Sophie sits down on the couch and is really excited to see Mark, and she asks if she likes her hair. She has these like, oh, what? I don't know anything about women's hair. What would you even call that? They're like I don't know what they're called. Oh, I think they're called hair wraps, but they're the sort of thing over here that. Like, when you're about 12 and you go to Spain on your holidays, you come back with one of those in your hair. Like, they're kind of um, the sort of thing that 12-year-old girls are very into, but that Sophie, as a 30-something woman, probably shouldn't be. Yeah, she has, like, two or three of them, and she's like, oh, Shaylee down at the bar did it. And, uh, you know, then she also talks about how Shaylee is a massage therapist, and she gives an absolutely orgasmic head massage, and I... I fucking love this little line with Mark where he's just like, juice bar, massage, orgasm. That's everything I stand against. Yeah. Um, it's clear that Sophie's had a bit of a personality transplant. She's quite different to when we last saw her. Um, and Holy shit, she's, is she? She's become a bit of a hippie. And her hair really annoys me in this uh, in this series, actually, because she's gone from having, like, sensible... I suppose it's to show that she's had a personality transplant, but she goes from having quite sensible hair to this, like, big, hippie, kind of curly hair. And um, with the braids in it. Yeah, I, I too was kind of caught off guard by Sophie's hair. I I'm always a fan of short hair, so I always love the later series where Olivia Coleman has really short hair. Right. Yeah, that it suits her quite well. The kind of elfin, like hair, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, at this point, Dom comes in and announces that uh, Ollie was super excited that Sophie was in town, and he really wants to see Sophie, and that Jude. And beautiful Laura want to go get cocktails at the Lava Lounge. Yeah, we're never introduced to Jude and beautiful Laura, but we assume they're part of the gang of people that are in the club with them later on. Yeah, that's I. I just assume that those two were Jude and beautiful Laura. Yeah. And beautiful Laura, also another one of those characters, great nickname. You know everything you need to know about beautiful Laura in about thirty seconds. Yeah, she could be in the spinoff with uh, Pedge and uh, Chemical Kev. 
and European barbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Sophie thinks that Mark would like Ollie because he's a right laugh, is how she puts it. And Mark's not into it. He wants to stay in because he's got two DVDs of Ocean's 12 and Meet the Fockers. Have you seen either of those two movies? I've seen Meet the Fockers. I've not seen Ocean's 12. I've never seen Meet the Fockers, but I have seen Ocean's 12. Probably can, you know, like you don't need to see Meet the Fockers. Like everything you need to know is in the trailer, on the poster kind of thing. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Meet the Parents, but I really had zero interest in watching anything outside of Meet the Parents. Yeah, it was on at Christmas a couple of years ago. It was like over here on Christmas night, always they put on like a film for the family. And that was the sort of family film that was on and I caught it then. Doesn't Robert De Niro walk around with like breasts in that movie? Yeah, I mean, it's on late. It, it's not really family. I guess it's more for like... The kids have gone to bed. The grandparents are off their oh, tits gotcha. on babies. Like, it's that kind of situation. Is Christmas Story a, a popular movie over there with the Red Rider BB gun? You'll shoot your eye out, etc., etc. No, no, don't know that one. What? Is this like oh a classic God. Christmas film that's passed us by? Every, every American listening to this podcast probably just hit their head right there. <laughs> Gasped. No, don't know that one. We'll have to look it up. Oh, it's... I think probably the reason it's not popular over there is very it's very like American movie. Right, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, yeah, you should look it up. TBS, which is one of our cable stations, on Christmas Day, I think they do like a twenty four hour marathon of a Christmas story. Oh, okay. That's uh no, didn't know that. Not not one of not one in our canon of Christmas films. Uh anyways, uh one thing that I noticed about this little scene is that Dom has absolutely no concept of personal space because he is just like right in Mark's face and he's talking about how Ollie will literally puke if Sophie doesn't come and Sophie just kind of like begs Mark, oh, I know this is not really your scene, but I really just want you to come out with us. And Mark is just like, fucking fine, okay, I'll do it, and... It's, I guess it's he... maybe to show how sort of touchy-feely they all are. They are all a bit terrible, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, Mark decides he's going to get revenge by taking her to the National Maritime Museum all, all day on Sunday. Yeah, my first proper boyfriend, he took me on one of our very early getting-to-know-you dates to the National Maritime Museum, which was not the most romantic setting. I can see why that would be Mark's revenge. <laughs> Um, we get, we flash to outside of a gay bar and Mark is annoyed about this arrangement because it was supposed to be one cocktail and home. And now here we are four cocktails later at a gay club. And Jeremy just is like, oh yeah, I just got off the phone with Carla. Sorry she couldn't meet us for the drink, but she'll be meeting us later. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Mark is just like completely not into any of this. He says that he's just like on his own with the gays and the crims. And this is like being in prison without even the privacy of his own cell, is how he puts it. Yeah. Uh, trapped with the, the homos and the criminals. <laughs> yeah. Um, as they're going into the club, Sophie tells Mark to lie to the bouncer to say that he's gay. And Mark is just completely caught in the headlights. Like, he does not know how to handle this. Yeah, they don't even give him a chance to think about it. And let's hear how he reacts to this situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mark, is the bouncer asked to say you're gay? What? You've been here before, mate. You're gay, pal. Lie. Say yes. Say yes. No. No, I, I, I'm not. God. Sorry. I, I mean, I did once have this thing with a... I had these feelings, but it was complicated. It was more of a sort of atmosphere, nothing 
ever really... I mean, sexuality is sort of a spectrum, isn't it, rather than a, a black and... Go on. Fuck off. In you go. Oh, thanks. Great. There are a lot of gay guys in there tonight. Great. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Does Mark seem like the kind of person that would have had a same-sex encounter to you? No. Because it's obviously what he's hitting at, hinting at here. Yeah, I don't think he has had a, a same-sex encounter, but I guess that maybe he had a period where he thought he might be gay or he thought he might have had feelings for someone. That's my that's my kind of hunch about this. Uh, do you think that this encounter would have happened at Dartmouth? Yeah, I can't see where else it would have happened. Yeah, uh, I... I imagine that Jeremy would have probably mentioned this at some point, too, if Jeremy even knew about it. Yeah, that's true. I would have thought he would have confided in Jeremy. So you're right, it's weird that this hasn't come up. But maybe maybe it was just some feelings that he had that he didn't ever mention to anyone. No. And Mark, of course, as we have seen before, has questioned his sexuality before. Excuse me. Has questioned his sexuality before. So this doesn't really strike me as the kind of thing that he'd be particularly, you know... Uh, or this, excuse me, let me rephrase that. This does kind of strike me as the thing he would kind of keep close to the vest. Yeah, exactly. He's a pretty buttoned up person. I imagine he might have kept this to himself. Do you think it was Pedge? Because didn't Jeremy and Pedge get drunk and pull each other off? Yeah, I was thinking of that because uh, later on, Jeremy talks about getting pulled off by Pedge and, and Mark says uh, he has many regrets, but being pulled off by Pedge is not one of them. So maybe his feelings were for Pedge and he's a bit jealous. Maybe that's why he says that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> once they're inside the once they're inside the the bar mark is just like oh my god will i ever be allowed to leave and i can totally empathize because i have friends that like to go to clubs and they're all younger than i am and they like going to clubs and they're fun and everything but then when i'm just there i'm just like oh my god i'm just counting down the minutes seconds yeah. hours until i can get out clubs are terrible there's absolutely no doubt about that yeah, uh, they start asking every. Uh, they start asking Carla and Jeremy how they met, and Carla's like, "Oh, we met at court." And Sophie's like, "Oh, are you a lawyer?" And Carla's like, "No, I'm the defendant." And Jeremy just is like, "And I'm on the jury." And I just put, "Way to be super discreet, you twats." <laughs> yeah, I and... thought that. I thought, well, okay, so you don't seem to care about this, and you don't seem to care that there's like a two-year prison sentence maximum for contempt of court that's fine but you're not even trying to hide this in a very public place probably quite near the court yeah and uh the entire group just starts oh and then uh <laughs> carla's like and the craziest thing is the trial isn't even over yet and the entire group just starts laughing and mark is like oh i must be the stick in the mud for thinking that breaking the law is anything other than brilliant urban jokes yeah he um yeah he's mark is just completely uh, you can see that he's he's so in contempt of the, of the situation in general, the gay club, the fact that Jeremy is doing an illegal thing, and he just looks so unhappy. Yeah, um, I like this next little exchange that Mark and Jeremy have, where he's like, uh, "I just want to know if this, if this, if this club is, or if gay friendly means friendly gays or friendly to the gays, <laughs> because to be honest, friendly gay sounds." Not worse, but you know. Yeah, this is that's, that's brilliant. And then um, Jeremy comes back at him with, uh, well, 
don't he said no mark then says that men have looked at him and jeremy warns him not to go over to that corner because that is where the guys who like straight acting tubby homophobes are which is just a brilliant <laughs> retort it, it absolutely cracks me up every time uh but when jeremy says that mark is straight acting that in, that implies that jeremy thinks mark is gay yeah that i guess he's that... just pretending to be straight I guess that maybe the fact that in a gay club, it may be that other people might think he's a gay man who's straight acting, potentially. Oh, I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, I like that at this point, Carla just offers to buy everybody a round of drinks and she pulls out a credit card and Jeremy's like, oh, that's a, that's a different name on your credit card. And she just is like, oh, you know, that's a second marriage. It was really messy. Don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, and it, you, you sort of see the moment that Jeremy realizes that, oh, okay, she did do that. Yeah. And uh, he starts to think, you know, how impressed he is that she, when she sees something, she just takes it. None of this, is this mine or is this somebody else's crap? And then Jeremy just is like, I love you. And Carla looks like, Carla says something like, love me. You don't even know me. And Jeremy just is like, I'm a musician, honey. I think on my feet. (laughs) Yeah. And she goes for that. Yeah, yeah, she seems to believe it. Yep. At this point, at this point, they break out the ecstasy tabs, and um, Ollie says that he has four brown bears and a couple of foghorn leghorns. And I don't know if these are real names for ecstasy tablets, but the foghorn leghorn always really cracks me up. Yeah, they're not they're not slang terms for drugs that I've ever heard, but maybe they are. In maybe in in a I'm not that okay with uh, street drugs. Maybe they are, or maybe they're just like the most ridiculous names they could think of but it definitely is funny well and i've and i have no i've never messed with ecstasy before and i have no idea anything about ecstasy but from what i recall of what i know about ecstasy is a lot of the tablets will have different characters or stuff like that um yeah i think lsd as well has it comes in for a form of like a kind of like a um a dissolvable thing that has different characters on yeah i've heard that yeah and then a lot of times people will refer to the tablet as whatever the character is shaped like so in this case the foghorn leghorn might have a couple of uh you know it might have a picture of foghorn leghorn on it or something like yeah. that i don't really know yeah um sophie tries to convince mark to take one of these because he's going to have a great time um and she then says that she doesn't she knows it's not really his thing and she thought it wasn't really her thing but she's really got into it since she's been in bristol yeah (laughs) um so mark uh so ollie is like tells mark to take a foghorn leghorn because it's gonna have an it has a soft floaty launch and a nice crunchy landing which both of those sound very pleasant don't they? yeah it sounds nice and the kevin kevin bishop is the actor who's playing ollie here and he he was a big deal over here for a while i'm guessing he didn't get to you because he was like not that successful so i think he would have made it to america um, but he was generally not very funny. He had a sketch show that wasn't very funny, but he is absolutely brilliant as Ollie. This is the role he was clearly born to play. Yeah, I like I like how Mark laments in this scene that a special night, or that, uh, Sophie tells Mark that it'll be a special night them doing drugs together. And Mark is just like, oh, a special night's no longer, 
a candle in a wine bottle, but you need class A drugs and fisting. Yeah. Yeah, Sophie says that them taking drugs together is going to be such a special night, and Mark laments that a special night is no longer a candle in a wine bottle, but you need class A drugs and fisting, which I never understood where the fisting came from. Like, it, that seems like such a random, you know, yeah, that's, thing to throw in there. I think it's just because Mark's got no idea about what the young people are up to. I think that's it, basically. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Let's see here. Um, and then Mark pretends to take the ecstasy tablet, and he's like, you may think we're going to have a special night, but I'm going to have a perfectly normal night right under their stupid noses. Yeah, that's so Mark. <laughs> yep, and then uh, later at the club, Mark and Jeremy are dancing together, and Jeremy is just doing his like little Jeremy dance, and he's like, oh, man, this is amazing. We're both clubbing together, each of us off our tits. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he says that this is a night that gen he thinks they're genuinely going to reminisce about. Yeah, and uh, then Jeremy looks really, really sad when Mark tells him he's not really rolling on X, and then Jeremy is, like, kind of upset, and he's like, oh, why didn't you just bang one? And Mark's like, oh, I didn't want to end up dribbling in a phone booth with a trucker's penis in my ear yeah which is just such a vivid image and then jeremy says that it's really not the experience and um, you're much more likely to wake up with depression and a sense of worthlessness yeah the, i can't i can't tell which way to wake up is worse yeah exactly uh, they both sound pretty ear? shit don't they yeah you're kind of fucked either way <laughs> yeah um mark then asked jeremy to tell him what taking ecstasy is actually like because he says i've you know, whenever you are off your noggin, I don't really listen to what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> this scene is very visual because Robert Webb is so goddamn funny in this scene, but he just is like, when you're coming up, it's sort of like, and he just makes this face. <laughs> yeah, he's got a very I, expressive face anyway, hasn't he? Yeah, he makes this super expressive face, and then he's like, and then... And then when you're going, everything else you do is just kind of, and he does this like little exploding hand gesture, like wow face. Yeah. And then he's like, and then when you're coming down, you talk about how there are systems that keep us apart, but deep down we're all the same. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, and that's pretty much the, I mean, I've had to even just drink, I've had drunken experiences that are like that. And there's a great scene in Spaced, um, the Simon Pegg uh, show that he was, that where he made his name. And they, they're in a club and they, they do this great scene where they're really drunk and they're just talking about, oh my God, like, you're so great. And I know that we haven't really spoken much, but there's all these things that are keeping us apart. But now I see that these systems are just like man-made constructs. And it's it's so true of, of those kind of nights. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, at this point, uh, Sophie kind of, Sophie and Ollie come up to Mark and, Sophie asks Mark how he's feeling and he says he's great and, and he makes this like it uh, he almost makes the face he makes when he's dancing in dance class yeah yeah this kind of crazy face yeah and he's like oh everything is sort of bubbly and I'm trapped in a giant arrow and <laughs> yeah. I might even be getting the famous munchies <laughs> yeah and Sophie's like really on an E and he's just like yeah he just all glosses over it yeah, and then she offers, then she leaves to go get him water, because when you do ecstasy, your body temperature actually, like, goes up, so you do need to drink more water. Yeah, and, um, um yeah, and that leaves Mark with Ollie on the dance floor. Yep, and Mark and Ollie have a great interaction, so I'm just gonna go ahead and play their interaction right here. Okay. I'll tell you what, me and you, 
We've got a connection, haven't we? Can you feel it? We're on the same wavelength, yeah? Oh, right. Yeah. Listen to the music, man. <laughs> this guy's a genius. He's bringing it up. He's bringing it up. Oh, he's taking it down. He's taking it down. He's taking it up. Take, taking it up. Taking it up. Taking it up. Taking it down. Taking it down. Taking it down. This yeah. guy is literally a moron. You're on it, man. <laughs> We're on it. We're brothers. Yeah. Ah. Oh, God, the sweaty grip of the moron. <laughs> this... This scene, when you ask me to tell you about this episode, this is the scene that just is the one that really sticks out to me the most. Yeah, um, it's a quite an iconic peep show scene, generally, isn't it? Really, but yeah, this is the this is the scene I thought of when I thought of this episode as well. Yeah, he's taking it up and he's bringing it down, and then I like how it just sort of ends with, "Oh, the sweaty hug of a moron." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, later that night, we get back to Apollo House, and Mark's apartment looks like some 60s drug movie, and everybody is just sort of, like, laying around, and we've got Sophie and Mark, and they're sitting on the couch, and Sophie is just, like, incessantly rubbing Mark's back. Uh, Carla and Jeremy are sitting on the floor with each other, like, sitting against a wall, both wearing bathrobes. Uh, Jude and beautiful Laura are apparently, like, playing Jenga. Yes. That, that does look like what they're playing, and you're right, it does just look like a squat, basically. Yeah. Um, and and it was at this point that I realized that Dom hadn't been in any of these other scenes, and it just made me wonder what the fuck happened to Dom. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, hooked up with someone. Yeah. Mark is getting annoyed by Sophie's incessant rubbing of his back, and he just is like, oh, I know that you like rubbing my back, but it's starting to chafe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just as he's complaining about that Jude spills some red wine on the carpet yeah which is way too much for Mark to handle at this point and he just like shoots up and he just goes over to start cleaning up the wine and Sophie's just worried that he's having a bad trip there yeah um, and then he says no he doesn't he just likes being on the floor with the stain watching the pattern it's making in his pure wall carpet which really made me laugh <laughs> um, then you, you get over to uh jeremy and carla and jeremy they're talking and jeremy's just like she's talking normally after what we just did where is the humanity in that and you know he broke every taboo with nancy yeah so what kind of shit is carla into like if it's too if it's too edgy for jeremy then it's probably illegal i think Oh, it, it had to be. Do you think she was maybe like holding a knife to his throat? <laughs> yeah, or I don't know. Something, something criminal. Clearly, it's 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 Jeremy looks traumatized. Oh, I feel super bad for Jeremy in the scene because yeah, you're right. He does. He looks traumatized. Mm. Carla sees Ollie's wallet kind of sitting in his jacket, and and Carla just kind of makes this motion with her head over to uh, Ollie's wallet and. She pulls his wallet out and she takes, I don't know, how much money do you think she took out of his wallet? Quite a bit. A few 20 pound notes, like maybe 60, 70 quid. Yeah. And uh, she tells Jeremy, you know, Ollie's probably a banker making 300k a year or so. So this is nothing. And Jeremy's like, oh, I think he works at a juice bar. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, Jeremy just outright asks her if she's guilty. Uh, or says like clearly you did it then and she says that that's no actually the funny thing is she didn't because she was in Lincoln at the time 
raking in a bit on a housing benefit scheme, which is just like the skankiest, chaviest thing I can imagine. <laughs> what would the scam entail? Do you have any idea? I don't know. So you get housing benefit if you are on a very low income. And my guess is that they were all, for some reason, if you're on a very low income and you've got like a lot of children living with you and stuff like that. So my guess would be that they were lying about the amount of children living in the house or how poor they actually were or probably some kind of identity theft if, if i know carla and i think i do after watching her in this episode <laughs> yeah um and then and then jeremy sees a scar on her body and then uh he's like oh wicked scar and she's like yeah you should see the other girl because she can't see you <laughs> and yeah she sort of laughs at this like it's kind of like a light-hearted thing to say and jeremy's just like oh my god yeah and then he's just like i'm just gonna start kissing her because when i'm kissing her she can't say scary stuff yeah <laughs> um then we get to the next scene which it's still an apollo house but looks a couple hours it looks a couple hours later because the previous scene it was dark outside yeah um, and now it's got light it's clearly the morning yeah and it's clearly the morning um. Uh, let's see. Jeremy and Carla are still sitting on in, on the floor in the exact same space. Uh, beautiful Laura appears to be sleeping in the on the floor. Jude is like drinking a cup of coffee, and then um, and then Ollie is uh, he's rolling a spliff. Yeah, and Sophie's kind of gone a bit weird at this point. Um, and then she says that she thinks she's going to be sick, or she burnt up to sick. And she tells Mark that she wants to go to bed. Yeah, and as she gets up, Ollie's like, "Come on, Sophie, stay up." And he, and the way he pronounces "spliff" just cracks me up. Where he's like, "Stay up and smoke this spliff, please." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Mark is like, "No, she doesn't want any more of your drugs. She's gonna go to bed." And um, and uh, Ollie just looks really sad. I think that Mark's not not the guy he thought he was. Yeah. Uh, Carla, you know, tells Jeremy she wants to have sex again, and Jeremy's just like, oh my god, oh my god, fuck, and I don't want to have sex again, but I guess we're gonna have sex again, and then <laughs> Carla starts talking about how in a few hours she'll be free and they can have sex as much as they want. Yeah, which is not what Jess wants to hear. Yeah, um, <laughs> this, this next scene, uh, is very iconic scene, I love this, I love this next part where Mark just yells it at the uh, at the the drug users in his house. Yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, are you gonna play this bit? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a request. This is the first time we've actually had a request for a scene. Uh, I told the guy I was gonna play this one anyways, but you know, here you go. Right. Okay. That's it. Turn the music down. You can stop smoking your drugs. I'm making tea and toast for Sophie. I'm putting on Radio Four. Everything's normal. I'm not really high on drugs, so you can stop talking your nonsense on my time. Well, what's the problem, man? Can't we just chill? No, you can't. You've been chilling long enough. This is reality calling. But, but what about you and me? The bond? There is no bond. You're not a bad person, but I'm afraid to say you are a moron. Now, pull your socks up and get your shoes on. Come on, all of you. Oh, man. And listen, while we're at it, there are systems for a reason in this world. Economic stability, interest rates, growth. It's not all a conspiracy to keep you in little boxes, all right? 
It's only the miracle of consumer capitalism that means you're not lying in your own shit, dying at 43 with rotten teeth. And a little pill with a chicken on it is not going to change that. Now, come on. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, that's a great little Mark monologue. I love that, where he's just like, ah, oh, come on now, fuck off, and gets <laughs> yeah. the drug users out of his house. Yeah, turfs them out. It's not going to be a squat. It's not happening. Yeah. Um, now we get kind of the culmination of Jeremy's storyline where they're back in the jury room and the foreman is, you know, like, okay, we're going to take a vote here. The judge just says we need a majority verdict. And I don't know if this jumped out at you like it jumped out at me, but a majority verdict would would lead me to believe that the majority is siding with Jeremy and not guilty yeah, it's definitely a departure from what when we saw them in the in the conference room previously, what they were sort of talking about. We thought the jury thought, but maybe there was some evidence that made them change their minds, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know, uh, but Jeremy just is like, "Hey, you know, I think she's guilty." Um, yeah. Uh, and then he's you know talks about how they started talking and the foreman is just like, Oh my God, that's grounds for mistrial. Um, he also thinks Jeremy also wonders if women's prison is probably, it thinks that women's prison is probably like one long hen night. Yeah. He, he doesn't, he's not taking women's prison very seriously. He's sort of like, well, it's probably just like one long hen night anyway. Yeah. Um, and then he has this great little monologue where he's like, okay, sure. If you want, say it's a mistrial, go crying to daddy. But look, <laughs> Maybe I didn't play by the rules this time. Maybe I am a bit of a maverick. But I think I've got this case pretty much solved, yes? And I can apologize for how I've done that. But I could never apologize for telling the truth. And the truth is that this woman is evil. And if we let her go today, we're going to be responsible for whatever she does. So help me God and let the Lord be my witness. <laughs> and all the other jurors are just like, yeah, fuck it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... He is, it's, he, Robert Webb plays it so well. He's completely over the top. The whole, like, he's on a bit of a roll with this. And the way he says, go crying to daddy. And the way he then says, so help me God and the Lord be my witnesses. Amazing. Yeah, I love when he just, like, he slams his fist down. And he's like, and the truth is that this woman is evil. And just slams his fist down. You almost feel like he needs, like, a Southern American accent for the oh. for this is like it would it would really work in a southern american accent yeah it's actually it's so funny because this is like almost the reverse of 12 angry men where yeah. in 12 yeah. angry men it's like we've got to convict or we've got to let this man go free and now it's like no we've got to convict <laughs> yeah yeah um so now we also get the culmination of mark's storyline and uh he's outside of apollo house and he's helping sophie pack up her stuff and she looks looks really disheveled and really just, you know, like she's been, she's had a night of heavy drug use. Yeah, she says that her head feels like a coconut that's been scraped out from the inside. And this is true of all my hangovers in my 30s so far. Oh. They just got much worse. Yeah. Um, Alan Johnson then ends up calling Mark and Alan is like, have you spoken to Colin? Mark, this is Alan. Have you spoken to Colin Cooper? He's pissing blood. Apparently, Sophie pulled another sickie. Call her, talk to her, do what you need to do. She's right on the bloody precipice. And <laughs> yeah. just, like, pretty much hangs up. Yeah, and poor Mark looks not even really conflicted, kind of resigned to what he knows he's got to do. Yeah. 
And uh, so he says, um, he tells Sophie that she needs to pull up her socks at work and stop taking sickies and stop slacking. And, um, you know, Sophie is really, really kind of pissed off about this. And she just is like, well, fine. And then just leaves. Yeah. And then Mark thinks, well, we'll laugh about this later. Unless it kills a relationship stone dead like it most probably will. Yeah. And um, that's the end. That's the end. What were your kind of overall thoughts of this episode? Yeah, so it's a decent episode. I'd sort of misremembered quite a few bits of like I did know that obviously this was the episode with the drugs and the and the um the court storyline in going along together, but they I don't know why. In my head I think they've become two separate episodes or two parts of two separate episodes. So I was like, Oh yeah, okay, like this is when this happened and stuff. Um, it's a funny episode. It's quite strong. It's better than the episode that precedes it. So it's it kind of maybe seems stronger than it really is. Um, but actually, I think that the drug-based shenanigans are much more what the episode's about than the actual Durian nonsense. So it's weird that... I think we talked about this off-air, that it's weird that it's called Durian. Um, yeah. When actually I- that's not what I remembered the episode for at all. Um, Ollie's brilliant. Kevin Bishop plays him as an absolute knobhead, which is great. Um, and it's the first time we see this annoying personality transplant in Sophie, which comes to annoy me much more later on. But this is the <laughs> first time that we see it. When I watched this the first time, I completely accepted Jesse's storyline at face value. But now I think about it, this is mental. This, this wouldn't happen. I'm certain this wouldn't happen and he wouldn't get away with it. You know, the only th- other thing, my biggest issue, and I don't know what it's like over in your area, but usually people who are on trial are in jail. I so... thought this, I was thinking this, and I thought, okay, would she be on remand? Maybe not, because it's not a violent crime or it's not a um, a crime that necessarily is going to make it like a danger to the public. But you're right. Would she really have been, would she be out on bail at this point? Or, like, surely she would, when she was eating her lunch in the canteen. Like, I, I do understand this isn't real. And I do understand that for the episode to happen, that, that she had to be eating her lunch in the canteen on her own. But would she would not have been with her solicitor? Would they not have been having lunch somewhere else, like in a private room? That would seem more like what I imagine would happen. Yeah, that's what I would have thought, too, is that they, even if she was on bail i would have imagined that she would have been on some form of house arrest and would have had a monitoring bracelet or something yeah, yeah exactly just... she would have been on tag i would have thought yeah it just doesn't... it just doesn't really make sense no like it and like i say i know it's not where i know it's a comedy so it's like but this wouldn't happen and jez surely would understand that contempt of court was a quite a big deal and surely mark would have then said when he says like it's contempt of court mark would have said you do realize that like you could actually go to prison yourself for this you know like whereas mark seems to know the law well enough to tell him it's contempt Mm -hmm. of court but not to warn him hey you could be looking at jail time yourself for this yeah like i said i think i would have probably called this episode either drugging or clubbing yeah that i think that the fact that uh Mark goes clubbing is much more of a a defining point for this episode than the fact that that Jez is on a jury. Yeah, um, I did get some feedback from this episode from one of our followers on Twitter. That mm-hmm. is at Doctor Who Fan Nineteen. Um, he said, uh, er, I, "I say he. Excuse me if I'm misgendering you. 
uh, Doctor Who fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, they, let me just do gender neutral terms here. They <laughs> said, the reason I like Juring is because it contains some of the best Mark moments in the whole series. I like the bit where Mark pretends to be off his head on drugs. It's like being trapped inside a giant arrow. And let's not forget the famous munchies and the sweaty grip of the moron. Honorable mentions go to waking up in a phone box, dribbling with a trucker's penis in his ear. Also, a crowning moment of awesome for Mark is when he told all Sophie's drug-addicted friends to get lost. It just beautifully sums up Mark as a person. It totally does. That's, uh, yeah, I think you've hit the key points there, Doctor Who fan. Okay, so we have our new... Well, I guess it's not even new at this point. It's like a month old, but our favorite segment of Peep Show Culinary, thanks to Donnie Taylor. And he says, Welcome to a special edition of Peep Show Culinary. You'll be pleased to hear we've got two different meals you can choose from today. And the fun part is that the meal that appeals to you most will reveal your personality type. <laughs> so first up, we've got the four-course meal for personality type wankers. And for the first course, you're going to have a nice bowl of crunchy nut cornflakes. Your second course is going to be a hug in a mug, cream-based soup with tea and toast and peanut butter. Lined up for your third course is roast chicken, wine and some Sara Lee for dessert. And after dinner, you can have one cocktail, I repeat, one cocktail, not four cocktails, and then off to a gay bar. <laughs> and secondly is for the people who can't face re reality. First, as you can imagine, is a bowl of Frosties. For the main course here, give yourself a break from cooking and get a chicken fried bucket. We here at Peep Show Culinary must insist you get your chicken bucket from a properly, properly franchised outlet. The health and safety of our peep show connoisseurs are among our highest concerns. <laughs> Finally, bang a foghorn leghorn for dessert. Peep show culinary fun fact. If you like tea and want to have the kind that our boys drink in the shop, Jez grabs Twinning brand green tea Earl Grey. Twinnings is England-based, but is widely available and sold in more than 100 countries around the world. I hate to correct you there, but it's actually Twinings. Oh, shit. You are right. It is Twinings. Yeah. Twinings, okay. yeah. But delicious they make the best tea so which is funny because i thought you said you hated you hated tea right no i don't like like builder's tea like tea tea but i like the weird teas like definitely my personality type is wanker but i like um <laughs> i like i like all kinds of crazy teas like licorice tea and stuff like that like they're my faves i, I like all the teas just not normal tea uh we haven't had a uh we haven't had an update on um on uh, hands to 5k recently um, so I just pulled up our Twitter account and as of right now we are at 1161 so we are making steady progress it's due, it, every day it's going up a little bit and that's absolutely in thanks to Danielle because she's clearly working like a little beaver behind the scenes there but it's like steadily going up every day yeah um and then we already kind of talked about robert webb's book so we don't really have to go into that um the one other thing that i did want to mention is i did put a poll up on our twitter account and it is pinned on our profile it's really like five questions it'll probably take you a minute two minutes tops to fill out um it we're really just looking for ways to make the show better because obviously we are not professional podcasters and we don't know what people like, and we don't know what people hate. So if we think that everything is working, we're just going to keep doing things the same way every single time. Um, and we don't want to be turning any listeners off with that. So please, 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 pretty please take 
like one to two minutes to fill out that survey and yeah greatly appreciate it yeah even from the few we've had and we were just talking off air about it it's really useful to know things that we wouldn't have thought of or things that like we just wouldn't even have considered and you think oh okay fair enough like it's like you say we're new to this as well and it's really useful to hear what is turning people off and what people enjoy uh so yeah i'm just gonna echo please go and do the survey um yeah, so that's everything for jurying this week. Uh, next week we have Quantalking. Very excited about Quantalking. Like this episode a lot, so looking forward to talking about this. Yeah, well, I'll have to see if Matt King has any funny anecdotes about Quantalking. Yes, Superhands is brilliant in this. So I hope he does. We'll uh, yeah, we'll get in touch. Yeah, so we will see you guys next week for Quantalking. This oh is yeah, the and L-Dude. of course. Sorry, before we do that, I was just gonna say um. The first episode of Back Airs in the UK this week. So I'm very much looking forward oh, to watching yeah. that. Yeah, yeah it's I'm Wednesday, super Wednesday night at 10 o'clock. So uh, definitely we'll be tuning in and uh, we'll be, I'll be on the Twitter talking about it as it's as it's airing. I will be uh, trying to get involved with people and get into some conversations. So yeah, really looking forward to watching that. Yeah, I'm hoping that I can find it somewhere. Yes, uh, I'm sure you will be able to. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be able to, whether it's, you know, downloading it or getting a a region changer so I can just watch it online. It should be up on all four immediately. So, yeah, as long as you can use your region blocker, you should be able to get it, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. And um, that actually brings up a good point. Thank you. Um, Like we said last week, we are starting on September 17th. We will be doing recaps of two episodes of back so if there's eight episodes we're gonna have four back casts if there's six episodes we're gonna have three back casts um and yeah so we'll be taking every two weeks we'll be taking a break from peep show to cover back yeah and i'm gonna be uh we're gonna be very interested in what people think about back and stuff i'm gonna be uh looking at twitter and kind of getting people's opinions so if you want to get involved you know where we are on twitter yeah and with that, this is the El Dude Brothers signing off. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant of The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. I, yeah, 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 yeah,